0: you beat me to it. Good evening. How are you, Ed? I'm doing all right. How's everyone else tonight? It's feeling all right? Well, welcome to Southeast Baptist Tabernacle. The official welcome is right now. We're going to get started by singing a few songs. Loretta, you ready? All right, let's stand. We'll sing together Rescue the Perishing. So and, and, and the guy was
1: like, the guy was reading the Bible,
0: like in Isaiah, right? He's like, hey, can you explain this to me? And he started from there, and then he showed him Jesus, and then he kept, you know, and, and was it is it that same person that also said, here's water, what prevents me from being baptized? Yeah, yeah. And so it's simple, just believe, right? It's salvation is simple; the child can understand it. So thankful for that. Yeah. Wow. Good. Too much has been given, much to be required. guy got ten talents and so got ten more. And uh so as God has investing you with your talents, use those to spread the gospel. Let's uh sing the second verse. mission talks coming up this week, right? So this is a song it's about the gospel, about sharing the gospel. Let's think of someone who needs the gospel that you need to share it with. Let's sing the song together.
2: flags. I spent a little bit of time before the service figuring out what these flags are, so I think I've got them all down if you want to know. I have them written down. So uh, I could not figure out for the life of me, like that one there with the uh, green Y, I couldn't figure that out. Anybody know what that one is? That's South Africa. I didn't know. Of course. Yeah, well, I didn't know. one am uh, And then this one And that one, you know, so that one's green, white, and orange, and that one's orange, white, and green. Other than that, they're the same. So what is the difference? One is Ireland. That would be this one. The other one is, and I I don't know if they're connected or not, but that one is Ivory Coast. Is Ivory Coast? Okay, that's what I didn't think. It was connected, but anyway, uh, that's Ivory Coast. So anyway. We'll go through some of the others as we're going through. I just thought that was interesting. I was trying to figure these things out. Uh, so Sunday night, uh, David Klingeman introduced us to Nathaniel Berdine. You have already, um, you might have already known him because he's been here before, uh, but I'll tell you a couple things about Nathaniel, and I asked him if he would just come tonight and uh, tell you about uh, his church planting. Uh, straight out of college, I'm going to go plant a church, and he's done that and has been in been up and going for a couple years now, they're in a building now, and God's just beginning to bless, and we want more souls, as is ever true with every church. Uh, You look at him, and I know what we're all thinking, it's like, well, he must have started when he was 10, because he looks like he's 12, (laughs) and one day that'll be a compliment, but he actually, uh, you know, you got your master's, right, at IBC, so he's already been through all of that, and uh, he just has one of those faces, so I'm jealous. He's got hair, he looks young. Uh when I was your age, I'm not making this up. I went to preach at a church uh, yeah, I yeah, probably about your age and um, so this guy says to me something about how old are you so i'm 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 probably about I'm a little old, you are so I'm probably about twenty eight at this time and I told him that, and uh he says uh man, you must have been road hard and put away wet
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i I've always so the nice thing about looking old when you're young is when you get old, you still look old, and people don't know how old you are. You know, it's like, how old is he anyway? I'm not really sure. Uh, but anyway, so I'm going to ask Nathaniel if he'll come. We will be taking prayer requests before we go to prayer time because uh, we're trying to figure out how we're going to do the prayer request time, and it's important to know what they are. Uh, but I'll just ask that you limit those to the ones that really need to be shared with the entire group. But Nathaniel's going to come share the word with us.
3: Good evening. There you go. Here we go. All right. Oh, there we go. I can hear myself. Now, I say it's a blessing and a curse. I'm in the curse stage. Um, People think I'm really young. Thankfully, when people have come to church, they haven't um, questioned me being the pastor. I tell them the pastor, like, oh, okay. Um, But when I'm out soul winning, it's really funny. I'll tell them who I am, and that I'm from Victory Baptist Church, and uh, and they'll ask who the pastor is. It's like, oh, well, I'm the pastor of the church. You're the pastor of the church? i like, you look so young. It's like, yeah, I know, <laughs> but I am the I am the pastor of Victory Baptist Church um, of Moshannon Valley, and we've been going now for about a year and a half. Uh, started May, um, I forget that started May twenty uh, May sorry May thirty first, twenty twenty one. Uh, so we got there, and we were able to get into a building. Um, middle of July, the Lord provided a building for us. We were able to start rent. Well, we got the building at a really cheap price, and the owner told us that we could uh, live, uh, be in it for free for a whole year, remodel it, tear down anything we wanted to do in it, do anything we want, and then after a year we would start um, paying the, the rent to own money. Uh, but this past week, um, week from Monday, we were going to the owner. Someone loaned us the money just outright by the building. And uh, well, we come to find out the owner wasn't even counting our rent money toward the rent to own. Something messed up with the realtor's office, and the realtor we had did it all wrong, and so we were kind of worried about it. Um, but on Tuesday, he accepted our offer. So praise the Lord, on February 1st is our settlement date, and we'll be in the building, and it will be ours for good, and uh, so that will be a huge blessing. I'll um, tell you a little about myself. I, I did go to college at Indiana Baptist College, um, was there for six years, was there for a long time. I was 16 when I started, and uh, so then I looked like I was 13. <laughs> so um, so I have. I, I look at my pictures now, and I still look the same. So I was there for six years. My junior year of college, the Lord gave me a burden for church planning, and uh, Pastor um, David Zimple in one of our classes presented this, this uh, kind of diagram type thing of, what could happen if churches were actually planting more churches? And uh, it's something to agree of, if a church started 30 years ago planting a church every five years, and the church that he planted did the same thing. And so you're in this multiplying process. At the end of 30 years, you would have, um, I forget how many are in, in a certain county, but each church, if they only had 50 people, if those people went out and told one person about the gospel, then every person in the United States would have heard about the gospel. Um, that's if a church was planting a church. And uh, so I was like, wow, America, it is possible for America to be changed, that, that every person could hear the gospel. And uh, so ever since the Lord's been increasing that burden for church planting and I've been able to start church planting, I was working with Evangelize America. In my senior year, I was, was able to help with a church plant. And then my seminary year, I was planning on going for two years of seminary. And uh, I love college, and so I was going to try to you know go as long as I could uh, and so I was working with Evangelist America, and Brother John Reed, the director of it, told me he said, "Why don't you pray about being the pastor in Houtsdale? I was already going to be there to help with the church plant, and uh, so he said, "Why don't you just pray about being the pastor?" So I told him, "No, I didn't want to. I had no desire to leave college. I still had another year left." And uh, but I, I I did pray about it, and uh, in one of my classes, the Lord just put it on my heart, and I and I told the Lord that I would walked through the door. He had opened the door, so I told him I'd walk through it, and if he shut it, then that would be fine with me. If he didn't, then I would just keep walking through it. And he never shut it. He provided every everything that I needed to get to get there, all the money that I needed, the transportation that I needed, and uh, and it was very clear that that's where the Lord had me. And so that's where I went. We've been there for a year and a half, and um, it has been exciting to see the Lord answer prayer, provide the building. Uh, we have We run anywhere from 10 to 15 people Um, on our services and the lord is doing a work the area is predominantly catholic so it's kind of a harder area um but people are starting to open up now starting to recognize the church and it's a small community i told the lord that i would never pastor in a small community grew up in a town of 14,000 people and um, now i'm in a town of 800 people and uh, the town next to me has 200 people uh, but the area of the Moshinan Valley has 38,000 people, and it's just a bunch of small little cities scattered throughout. So you drive from one town, five minutes, there's another town that has, you know, 600 people. The next town has 800 people. And uh, so it's just a lot of little cities. Um, so that's the area we're going to. So if you pray for me, I would really appreciate it. I have my prayer cards um, here on the front row. And uh, so take one, pray for me. I need, I need the prayers. Um, so turn your Bibles to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 1. 1 Kings chapter 1. 1 Kings chapter 1. Let's go to pray before we go any further. Father, I ask that you would help us tonight. We thank you for this day. Thank you for the rain today. And uh, Lord, we, we praise you for it. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts tonight. And, uh, Lord, do a work that, Lord, we can't do ourselves. Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, and, uh, Lord, that you convict us. And, Lord, that we would not leave this place without making a decision for you. And I pray that we would apply what we learned tonight to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Kings chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 28. Um, just to give a little background to, um, up, to this, up to verse 28, David is now an old man. In verse 1 it says, Now King David was old and stricken in years. And they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. He's at the end of his life. His reign is coming to an end. Um, he's had a very, uh, he's had a long reign, very eventful reign. And uh, we'll look at more of David's life in in, in a little bit. But um, here in this chapter, his son Adonijah, Adonijah is attempted to take the throne, gone behind David's back, his father's back, and has brought Joab, the um, the captain of the host with him, and, and Nathan the prophet, and he's attempted to take the throne, and he's 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 pretty much accomplished it. Um, but Bathsheba and Nathan, it says in verse ten. But Nathan and the prophet, and Benaiah and the mighty men, and Solomon his brother, he called not. So this is done behind everyone's back. He didn't. Now was trying to take it by force. He knew he w- it wasn't his position. Um, but Nathan and Bathsheba, they 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 go to the king. And they decide we're going to tell the king what's going on. This isn't what's supposed to be happening. David had promised the kingdom to Bathsheba's son Solomon. And so they're going to King David and telling him, hey, Adonijah is attempting to take the throne. You promised it to Solomon. Something needs to be done. And that's when we get to verse 28, if you would look there. It says, Then King David answered and said, Call me Bathsheba. And she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore and said, As the Lord liveth that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress, even as I swore unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my said, even so will I certainly do this day. So David he's 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 uh, reissuing, as I I could say, the, the promise to Bathsheba, your son will be king. Um, He said, even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel. He says, your your son is going to be king. But I want to look at the phrase in verse 29. It says, as the Lord liveth that hath redeemed my soul out of all distresses. He says, you know, my promise is as good as the God I serve. As the Lord liveth that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress. He says, the promise that I've made to you about Solomon is good as the God who has delivered me out of all distresses. It's amazing that David could look back on his life. David had an had a eventful life, as I said. He had a very um, uh, rough life, um, beginning uh, as a shepherd boy and then um, being anointed as king by Samuel and then um, having to run from Saul and running from his own kid, running from Absalom and um, always fighting the Philistines, constantly running, constantly going through distresses. But he's able to look back at his life and give this description to God as the Lord liveth, that hath redeemed my soul out of all distresses. David didn't look back on his life in bitterness and say, you know what, he's old now, looking back and thinking everything that he's gone through, he, he could have said anything about God. The God who, 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 who drug me through life and made me wait for the kingdom for 13 years and made me run for my son and, and all these things that happened to me. No, he said, the Lord, as the Lord liveth, that hath redeemed my soul out of all distresses. As I thought about that phrase, um, I thought this. You know, if David had never gone through distress, if he'd never gone through the problems that he went through, if he never ran from Saul, never ran from his son, even the, the, all the distress that he went through, if he hadn't gone through it, he would never have been able to say this about God. He would never have been able to say, as the Lord liveth, that hath redeemed my soul. If he had never gone through those distresses. So the title of my sermon tonight is, is this. Um, if that didn't happen, maybe you've had those moments in your life where you think, you know what, if that didn't happen, then this event wouldn't have taken place. So for example, um, my friend Andrew Henry, maybe some of you know him from college, um, he was a good friend of mine, he actually came to Pennsylvania and helped me there for a while, uh, but we were um, we were working together and, and Andrew loves Coke, as like his drink, you know, he, nothing else. It's Coke. He doesn't like Pepsi. He's very against Pepsi. He, he only drinks Coke. So he got me into drinking Coke. We were out working one time and we stopped at a gas station in Franklin, Indiana to get a Coke. And uh, so he went inside to go grab his fountain drink. has to be not a bottle. has to be a fountain drink Coke. So he goes inside and, and he goes in, comes back out like after 10 seconds. And uh, I was like, didn't you get your Coke? And he's like, no, they're, they're out in there. I was like, okay. He's like, so we're going to go across the street to the next gas station. It's like, oh, man, all this work just for a Coke. So we go across the street to get the Coke, goes inside, gets his Coke. He comes back out, and he said, there's a guy standing on the corner of the street there, an older man. I'm going to go give him a tract. So he goes, gives him the tract, and, and, and about 30 minutes later, he comes back, and he had led that um, older man to the ward. And the guy got saved. And, uh, and we were sitting in the car, and he's like, you know what? If, if that Coke machine wasn't out then that guy wouldn't have gotten saved. I would never have met that guy. If it hadn't happened, if the Coke machine hadn't gotten out, then we, that guy wouldn't have gotten saved. Also, we were in Pennsylvania. Andrew and I were in Pennsylvania, and once again, we, uh, both of us this time wanted Coke. So we stopped at a gas station to get some Coke, and they also didn't have Coke. So we go across the street to the gas station, and um, they didn't have Coke either. <laughs> but at the other gas station, we met the owner of the building that we're now in at our church. And uh, we thought again, you know what? If, If that hadn't happened, we would have never met this guy. So the moral of the story is, you need to start drinking Coke. No, I'm joking. But you get the point. If that hadn't happened, then this event wouldn't have taken place. Turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. So David's looking back at his life and thinking, you know what? All these things that have happened, not in bitterness, but... Because of all of them, God, God's redeemed me from them. He's able to say, God is my deliverer. God, God redeemed me from all my distresses. In Psalm 91, um, we can't be very dogmatic about who wrote this psalm. Some people believe it was Moses because it was the one that wrote the psalm before it. Um, many believe it was David. Um, it was also David writing to um, his son Solomon and encouraging him in his relationship with the Lord. Because if you look at verse 1, it says... He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. This is a man who has experienced God in his life, who had a, had a wonderful relationship with the Lord, and he's telling, this is my relationship with God. This is um, who He is to me, and this is what He can be to you. And he goes on to say, Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, And from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward. Of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. He says, he's giving this passage of the relationship with God. So saying, you know what? God, this is what God can be to you. But as you read this psalm, you realize this is a, a, a man who has experienced um, God in his life. This is one who has seen God be his refuge, seen God be his fortress, um, uh, seen God deliver him from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence, Seen um, God be his refuge and um, he has a, um, a boat under the shadow of his wings. He's been his shield, his buckler. And it says in verse 5, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. And as you read through these things, you realize, you know what? If he had never experienced the terror by night, the arrow that flieth by day, the pestilence, the destruction that wastes at noonday, a thousand shall fall by side, ten thousand at thy right hand. If he had never experienced these um, horrible things that, that have taken place, he would never have been able to say, God is my deliverer. God is my refuge. God is my fortress. So you see, if these events had never taken place, then David would never have been able to say, God is my deliverer. If that hadn't happened. So I want you to remember three things tonight about your distresses. We all go through distresses, do we not? We all go through problems. Um, I forget the passage, but it says, um, man um, that is born is full of troubles. I forget the exact uh, phrase, but we all go through troubles in our life. We all go through storms. We all go through trials. So, number one, remember that your distress is part of God's plan. Remember that your distress is part of God's plan. If you turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter chapter 1, and we'll be looking in verse, uh, we'll read verse 1 starting out. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Cappadocia Asia, and Bithynia. So Peter is writing to believers who are scattered abroad because of persecution that has taken place. These are families who have been ripped up from their homes, um, who have been separated from each other, parents possibly in prison, kids taken away from them. Uh, families who are uncertain of the future that's going to happen and uh and they're going through trials, you could say verse six, if you look there, it says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, manifold temptations, these are many temptations of a a variety of temptations are taking place in in these believers' life, but Peter, maybe I think I said Paul just a minute ago. This is Peter. If I say Paul, just know that I'm talking about Peter. Peter said this, If need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. If need be. The phrase literally means it, it's necessary. Um, it must be. Uh, whatever you're going through, it's necessary for your life. That's very bold of Peter to tell these people that. These people who are already going through a hard time, who are already going through persecution. He's telling them, you know what? What you're going through, it's necessary in your life. God has a purpose for allowing trials in our lives. He has a plan in it. He has a plan to draw us closer to Him. Um, as you seek His face in your distress, your relationship with Him grows. Have you ever gone through a trial or, 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 a, or a storm in your life and you got out the end of it and you look back on it and, and you thought to yourself, you know what? I'm closer to God now than I was before the trial. Because of the trial that I went through, I. I started reading my Bible. I started praying to the Lord. You know, our nation, um, during 9-11, uh, you read the statistics, all these people started going to church after 9-11, right? They, you know, the end is coming. We've got to get in church. And um, because of the trouble that happened, it brought people closer to the Lord. That happens in our lives. You think of David's life. Um, he drew closer to God during his distresses. Because of his distress, Psalm 42. Um, Psalm 42 was uh, written, While David was in the cave running from Saul. He was in the cave and, and he wrote this wonderful psalm to the Lord and, and, and realized, you know what? When I cry to the Lord, He will answer me. Psalm 142 was written. Um, at Ziklag, when David and his men went to help the Philistines fight against the Israelites, um, the, the Philistine Lord sent them back home. They said, you know, what are we gonna, why are we having David help us? He's just going to turn on us in the end. So they sent them home. And when they got back to Ziklag, the whole city was burned with fire. All their families were taken and uh, David was getting ready to be stoned. He was, um, they, were, they were getting ready to execute him. But what did it say? It said, but David encouraged himself in his God. Because of his distress, it brought him closer to God. It was through David's distresses that David was brought closer to the Lord. God has a plan to draw you closer to him. So in your trial, it, remember this, it is necessary. God wants to draw me closer to him. He has a plan to draw you closer to him. He has a plan to show you his power. If you turn to Psalm 107, Psalm 107. Psalm 107 and verse 23. It says, they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. So we're talking about a very specific group of people. These are the ones who have, it says, they, they've gone down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man, and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet, so he bringeth them unto their desired haven. O oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of the of men. The ones who have gone down to the seas, the ones who have seen the storms, who um, it says in verse 26, they mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths, who have seen the the, the mighty winds and the the huge waves. The ones who see those take place, they're the ones who see the power of God. Verse 28, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. These are the ones who see God's power. They see his power in the waves and in the storm. But then they see God's power in the calming of the storm. Think of the, of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee when um, Jesus came to them walking on the water and calmed the sea. And just by his voice, he spake the word and the, and the sea was calm. Um, what did the disciples say afterward? Behold, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Even they were amazed at the power of God. See, God wants to show you his power in your trial. He wants to show you how big of a God he is that He can perform a miracle in whatever you're going through. See, God is bigger than any trial that you're facing. He wants to show you His power. He has a plan to draw you closer to Him. He has a plan to show you His power. And then He has a plan to bring about something bigger. Turn to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. God has a plan to bring about something bigger. This is a story of Joseph's life. and Another story of Joseph and how he was thrown into the pit, sold to the Midianites, uh, was in Potiphar's house, was accused, thrown into prison, was in prison for two years. Then uh, finally he was um, brought out of prison by Pharaoh and, and uh, told Pharaoh his dream. And as a result, the, um, he saved the nation. We get to the end of Joseph's life and if you look in verse 24, verse 24, it says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you, and bring you out of this land unto the land which you swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being an hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Um, there, there is a phrase that is mentioned twice. In verse twenty-four, you see God will surely visit you. In verse twenty-five, you see again in the middle of the verse, God will surely visit you. See, Joseph had gone through a lot in his life, and you look at the two years that he was in prison. And uh, if I was Joseph, being in prison, I, I, you know, you've already told the butler and the baker to um, remember you when they when they um, uh, go back to the kingdom and uh, they forgot about him, or uh, um, the baker forgot about him. Wait, which one, was, which one died? Uh, the baker died? Okay, so the butler <laughs> forgot about him, and uh, um, you know he's waiting for two years, wondering what's going to happen, not knowing how long he's going to be in prison, um, but yet remaining faithful to the Lord. Um, he, he never got bitter, he never got out of prison and turned against the Lord. No, he remained faithful to God. And at the end of his life, he tells his brother, and he says, God will surely visit you. He does it um, with assuredness, with a knowing that it's going to take place. He says, God will surely visit you. Joseph knew that God would visit them because God had visited him. Joseph had never gone through the two years in prison. He would not have been able to say that phrase with the same confidence that he said it here. God will surely visit you. God visited me. He's going to visit you. God keeps his promises. God's going to keep his promise to you, Joseph knew that God had a bigger plan for his trials. In verse 20, he said, "But as for you, ye thought evil against me; but God meant it unto good." You see, Joseph knew that God had a bigger plan in his trial. But if Joseph had never gone through the pit, God never had been sold to the Midianites, never was in prison, then all of this that had happened would never um, have taken place. The nation wouldn't have been saved, and Joseph would never have been able to say, "God will surely." Visit you. God has a plan to bring about something bigger. There's a bigger picture in your trial. You don't know what it is. We don't know what, uh, what God is doing. We never know how long our trial is going to be. And sometimes we want to understand it. Um, but we, we don't. We may not know what the trial was for until we get to heaven. But God has a bigger plan for your trial. So remember that your distress is part of God's plan. And then secondly, remember that your distress is precious. Turn it back to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse 6 again, it says, um, uh, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Peter's telling his people that the trial of your faith is precious. It's much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Um, so I want to give this question to you tonight. How much value do you put on your distress? Peter's telling these people what you're going through, it's valuable. It's precious. It's more precious than, than gold. How much value do you put on your distress? And I, 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 when I was preparing for this, I thought of that question, and, uh, and it's like, wow, that, that's an odd question to think about because we, we don't think of it that way. We don't look at our trials and put value on them. Instead, we, we don't want them. We want to get rid of them. Um, something that's uh, distasteful, we, we want to get rid of We don't want to keep it. Something that's valuable, you want to keep it as for as long as you can. Someone gives you a, a family heirloom or, or, or something valuable that, that's precious to them. They give it to you and it's valuable to you. You don't want to get rid of it, right? You want to keep it for as long as you can. You want to put it in a safe place not to lose it. But Peter tells these people who are going through some of the hardest trials they will ever face, what you're going through is precious. It's valuable. Um, uh, we, growing up, we, we would collect coins. And uh, our big thing was wheat, uh, uh, wheat, wheat pennies. And we had vacation Bible schools growing up and we would have the, the scales where you you know you'd collect all the kids would collect pennies and put them in the buckets and then weigh which, which side you know heavier. And we'd take all those pennies, and we'd have hundreds of dollars in pennies, and we'd take them home and we would sort through them and find all the wheat pennies. Uh, now, we wouldn't steal the pennies. We would replace the wheat pennies with the actual pennies. Um, but we'd try to find all the wheat pennies and find the ones that were valuable and that were worth something. And... Uh, It was funny. We would always find the ones that were like a year off. You know, the next year would have been the valuable one. Um, We never found anything valuable. Uh, But uh, this guy that we knew told us, he said, I was at a restaurant, and the guy in front of me dropped two pennies. And he said, oh, sir, you you dropped your pennies. And he said, no, no, don't worry about it. They're just pennies, and you can have them. So he picked them up, and they were two wheat pennies. And so he looked them up, and both of them were worth $2,000 apiece. And uh, and. He found out these are valuable pennies. But the man who didn't put any value on them, they were just a cent to him, was willing to just throw them away. He didn't want them anymore. But the man who found them, now he, this is a, a treasure to him. It's worth something. It's something that he's going to keep for a long time. It was valuable. So how much value do you put on your distress? Because Peter says there's value in your trial. See, Peter knew the value of trials. These the apostles. You think of everything they went through. They knew the value of trials. In James chapter 1, if you turn back a couple pages, James chapter 1, James said this about trials. In verse 2, he's also just speaking to, to believers who are scattered abroad. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, Wanting nothing. James knew the value of trials. You're, you're, the trial has a purpose. It has a plan. God has a, a, a work to do in your trial, and it is valuable. He wants to draw you closer to Him. It, it is a, there is value in the trial. You can have joy in it. Romans chapter 5. You can turn there. Romans chapter 5. This is Paul speaking. Romans chapter 5. In verse 20 he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There, that is something to rejoice about. We're justified um, through Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That is something to rejoice in. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. But Paul goes on to say, this isn't the only thing we have to, to rejoice in. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Just as much joy as we can have in our salvation and the hope we have in Jesus Christ um, and, and is the same joy that we can have in our tribulations. That doesn't make sense to us. That doesn't, uh, we, that doesn't, that, that's opposite of the way we think. You see, these men knew the value of trials that they are precious, that, that, they, are, that they, they are worth something. God has a plan for them. He wants to draw us closer to them to Him. He wants to, he wants to um, perform miracles in our trial. He wants to show us that there is something bigger. Our trial has value. So how much value do you put on your distress? Uh, so the first one is remember that your distress um, is part of God's plan. Remember that your distress is precious. And then lastly, remember that your distress... Has an end. Psalm 37, 37 says, "Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace." Psalm 37 is about, begins with fret, not because of the evil doers. You know the evil doers, um, they're they're prosperous. They have um, uh, more than heart could wish. They're, they they seem like they're doing well, everything they want. But one day they will be cut off. Uh, one day they they they, they will, the destruction for them will come. But the perfect man, the one who is righteous in his ways, the one who does right, the end of that man is peace. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh far as a, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It's just for a moment. 1 Peter 1.6, the verse we just read, He said, Though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Though now for a season, just as the seasons of our years roll around, we have winter, and winter will end, um, sometimes later than, than other winters, but it will end. Some, uh, spring is going to come. Summer will come. Fall will come. Wow, it's hard to go through this, the seasons when you're not used to doing that. Then winter will come again. Our seasons have an end. Um, and just as our seasons have an end, your trial has an end. It won't last forever. It is but for a moment. Remember that your distress does have an end. But whatever distress you're going through, recognize, you know what, God has a purpose for it. God has a plan in it. And, and don't think to yourself, you know what, I want to get through this as fast as I can. That's our first thought, right? I'm going through a trial, got to figure out a way to get through it as fast as I can. I don't want to be in this trial. David said in Psalm 55, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, that I might wander away and be at rest. He said, I just want to flee from this trial. I want to get out of it. But that's not the way it works. See, God has something to show us in our trial, it is precious. He wants to. He has a plan. He, he has a purpose for it. And it is of value. Uh, it should be valuable to us. The distress is an opportunity for you to learn something deeper about God in your life. See if that trial would never happen, then there are so many blessings and and, and miracles that you're missing out on that God wants to show you. There's so many things that um, that wouldn't happen if your trial would never happen. David got to the end of his life and is able to look back and see that God had truly delivered him out of all his distresses. In the moment, it didn't look like it. At the time, it looked like his life was falling apart. You see, David reacted in fear so many times and and ran when he wasn't supposed to run. But now looking back, you know what? David realized, God delivered me out of all of them. And God did have a plan in them. He went through a lot of distresses, distress while running from Saul and waiting to be king, distress from his enemies, distress in his family, distress even brought about by his own sin. Yet through them all, God delivered him out of all of them. And at the same time, and at the same time showed David who he was through each and every trial. He didn't look back in bitterness. He looked back and realized, wow, what an amazing God I serve. Romans 8, 28 says, we know, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. You see, God has a, a plan. He loves you and I. He, he cares about us. He knows just how much pressure to put. He knows the exact uh, the, the trial that is perfect for each person. And He has a plan in it. Knowing that God has something special in store for us in our distresses. You know, we think of the verse First Thessalonians 5, 18. And everything... Give thanks. We think of that verse, and sometimes we quote it, and, um, and I've quoted it, kind of been discussed before. You know, people tell you, you "No, know, in everything give thanks." And you're going through trial, and everything give thanks. Find something to be thankful for, and you run through this list. Thanks for my family. You know, as kids, you ought to think in Sunday school, you think of everything you're thankful for, right? Thank for my family, thank for my house, thank for food, all these things. But the reality of it is, we can be thankful for our trial because if we look at it the way that we're supposed to, that they are valuable that they are precious, and well, I'm thankful for this valuable thing that God has given to me in my life, that God has a purpose for it, and I can give thanks in this trial because, really, our distresses are special. Without them, we'd be missing out on so many spiritual blessings. Um, in closing, uh, Andrew, Henry, and I were also thinking thinking the the other day of COVID-19. You know, COVID-19, everything happened. I think it's because of COVID-19. You guys have the 11 o'clock service, right? Um, but we were thinking back on COVID-19, and it was um, actually my senior year of college, and we were uh, going, we were halfway through our um, spring semester, so getting ready, getting back from spring break, and getting ready to go on the last bit of of college. And uh, we we're thinking back on was a horrible time for us. I I didn't like it because we had to leave college, and uh, I love college, loved being at the at that school with everyone. And um, also that year, I was getting my own room. Come back from spring break, my roommate had left for some reason. And uh, so that year, I was getting my own room, and I always wanted my own room. Um, But then the day that we got back to college, we had to leave. (laughs) So I still have never had my own room. I'm in college. Um, But we think back, you know, it was a horrible time. But Andrew said, he said, you know, if it wasn't for COVID-19, you wouldn't even be in Pennsylvania right now. Uh, If it wasn't for COVID-19, and I thought, you know what, if it wasn't for COVID-19, I wouldn't have the car that I have which is a of me going to Pennsylvania. I wouldn't be in Pennsylvania. never seen God answer the prayers that He's answered. I've never seen Him do so many miracles in my life. And um, I wouldn't be as close to God as I am now um, if it wasn't for COVID-19. And, and we think back and, and think of all these things that happen in our life. If it wasn't for this, then this would not have happened. So whatever your distress is tonight, remember that it is part of God's plan. He is allowing it for a reason. It's necessary. You don't want to avoid it because it is precious. And then remember that it does have an end. David was able to say, "As the Lord liveth, that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress." Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for what a wonderful God that you are. What an amazing God you are, Father. That you um, you have a plan in each one of our trials. You're not just making us go through through trials just to make us go through them. But Father, you have a a wonderful plan um, through it all. And, uh, Lord, help us to view them in the right way, to put value on them, to recognize that they are precious in our lives. I pray you would help us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate that. That is a great reminder. I was, um, from this morning, reminiscing about the idea of what, you know, what would happen if this didn't happen, this didn't happen. And we can all go through these stories. But uh, I'll give you my highlights real quick. So World War II changed the world. It literally did. It changed the world. But in America, after, you know, several hundred thousand soldiers were not able to come back and people were seeing uh, their own mortality, they came back to America and everybody got married and started having babies. And we have a baby boom, right? That happened with my dad and mom. My dad came back in World War II and married his neighbor. Uh, My mom was 14, my dad was 22, they didn't have to get married, they didn't have any kids for a year and a half, but, you know, in America, the mindset had changed. Had World War II not happened, what would have happened with my mom and dad? I don't know. So they had a girl, they had a boy, they had a boy, they had a boy, they had a girl, and the doctor said, stop having kids, you're going to kill yourself, your insides are falling out. And so they scheduled my mom for a hysterectomy in August of 1959. And uh, in July of 1959, my brother stepped in front of a car. He was five years old and was taken into eternity. And my mom didn't have surgery. Uh, Things were called off. And a year later, year and a half later, I was born. Uh, She didn't have surgery. And what would have happened? It was a tragedy, but what would have happened if that had not happened? Uh, When I was 13, my mom and dad got a divorce that was a horrible tragedy, but that divorce pushed me to the church. And i trusted jesus christ as my savior and i became a christian my brother became a christian my sister became a christian my dad grew up with god my mom got right with god and and things began to happen in my family and it was exciting and i got engaged uh and that engagement was broken off and uh, that was devastating to me but had that engagement i been broken off i wouldn't have gone to this roller skating activity and met uh, my my wonderful wife and uh, god used that horrible event to bring about um bring me to melody and then because I met Melody, I'm your pastor, because if I had not met Melody, I would have never known about Southeast Baptist Saturday uh, Then we couldn't have kids, and that was a horrible tragedy. It wouldn't have been awful that we didn't have kids, but what if we had had kids? Then you know what we wouldn't have? We wouldn't have JD, and we wouldn't have Mia, and we wouldn't have Abby, and we wouldn't have Josh. And if we didn't have JD and Abby, we wouldn't have Peyton. And I mean, God takes what seems like a tragedy and turns them into wonderful things. And we can all go through those stories like that, right? That, what if it didn't happen, is so some wonderful things all right, uh, we're gonna take just two minutes here to take some uh, prayer requests, and then we're gonna break up into uh groups so uh, anybody have one you say I've gotta share it publicly, otherwise we can share it with your prayer group, but so, uh, I just need everybody to be praying about this one Plan f g or h for the uh for the move they're trying to move, and we want that to happen because 'cause they're trying to move closer here. And uh, so it really is just a matter of how to make it happen physically. So they're trying not to sell their house first because they don't have a place for that. And, uh, <laughs> but in order to finance <laughs> it, it's a little bit, so it's just you know, a <clears throat> rocket hard place, you yeah. know how that is. So. And Beth, Brian.
1: Oncology Appointments
2: Friday. Ontology Appointments Friday for Miss Andrea, so pray for that. Uh, by the way, today is Skeet's birthday. Happy birthday to you, Skeet, if you're watching? Uh, He is in the hospital. They had to do surgery again yesterday. Uh, What they thought might be a growth turned out to be another pocket of infection. They put a tube in it. They found two pockets of infection. They got rid of one of them. They put a tube in the other one to keep him in the hospital on IV meds until Friday at least. So uh, he's in good spirits, but uh, it just seems to have worked, but he just needs to get home. So go check
1: Helen has cancer
2: and we're gonna go in Tuesday to find out what path they take there. So pray for that. Miss Rachel has an unspoken, so if you would pray for her unspoken. God knows what it is. And uh, as we divide up into smaller groups, you've got about uh, ten minutes here, so we're not in a real big hurry. Uh just pay attention if you do have kids in a to pick up, but pay attention that you know they'll be waiting for you. So uh, make sure you do that and uh, divide up into groups and let's pray. Way, box a for gifts, uh, the the so there. So